before we open his word. Dear Father in heaven, for 2,000 years, thy children, thy people, have been meeting on this day, on Sunday, the first day of the week, in commemoration of what happened, what changed history, what changed everything for each one of us, dear Father, when thy son rose from the dead, conquered death. Dear Father, we are so thankful. Every day we can meet thee. Every day we can have communion with thee. And the times that we gather with other believers, we can do that in joy and in in fellowship, in, in communion around this fact, this truth, that there is now a risen Savior who is alive, who's at thy right hand, who's provided everything that we need for whatever may come our way. Dear Father, we are so thankful for this truth. We're so thankful that we can gather in the name of a risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not a set of ideas, not a a philosophy, not a a series of uh, religious doctrines, dear Father, but in the name of a living person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Each one of us, dear Father, here need to examine our hearts and look inwards, dear Father, to ask ourselves, art thou our Lord? Are are we obeying and following thee in that new life? Dear Father, now as we would open this word uh, and, and read from it, be encouraged to yet a little more this afternoon. We ask for thy presence. We ask for the the outpouring of thy spirit. And uh, we pray, dear Father, for um, many that need, uh, that have great needs, dear Father, health and uh, emotional and physical and uh, whatever it be, dear Father, uh, thou knowest them all completely. We bring them before thee and we ask that thou wouldst meet the needs that are here present and those that are not too. Dear Father, we pray these things in confidence and assurance uh, based on the promises that have been given to us, the fulfilled promises in Jesus Christ. Amen. For this afternoon's meditation, I'd like to uh, read a portion from Peter's first sermon after uh, at the day of Pentecost. That's in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Starting in verse 22, Acts 2, 22. So this is, as I mentioned, the first sermon preached in the New Testament, the first, uh, or after uh, uh, Jesus was risen, after the Holy Spirit had come in a special way on the, the group of believers that were waiting as per Jesus' instruction. And um, it was a remarkable occurrence, and uh, it was noticed in in Jerusalem, and and people were wondering what was happening, and and they could hear all these different languages, each in his own uh, native tongue could hear uh, praises of God being spoken, and and that's when Peter, verse 14, stood up and explained this purpose, and, and quoted from the book of Joel, and explain what was happening, but then he didn't stop there. He, he goes on in verse 22 and, and begins the, the, the message proper, the, 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 the heart of his message. And that's why he says now, verse 22, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, 
a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaking, speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, he, seeing this before, spake, of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstools. footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. 
I've read to the end of Acts chapter 2. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. The message we heard this morning and and the the significance of this day, I'm sure, is not lost on each one of us, that that today is Easter Sunday, what we... uh, um, the day that we specifically, in a, in a, a more um, a calendar fashion, I guess, we, we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And, and all of us that know him and um, love him and love his appearing know that that for us is a reality every day. It's something that really we should be celebrating and should be joyous about every day. It should, should motivate us and fuel us. But there is nothing wrong in, in, in uh, particularly remembering Yes, this time of year, 2,000 years ago, um, Passover time, as we know, the, 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 the Jews have just celebrated Passover, and uh, now is the time that, that we specifically acknowledge and, and um, reflect on, on what Jesus, what God accomplished through the resurrection of Jesus. And my, my heart was drawn to this passage here in Acts chapter 2 as the the post-resurrection response, a reflection of the importance of the resurrection and our response to it. That line here, men and brethren, what shall we do when they were pricked in their hearts? This is the response to the news of the resurrection. The whole gospel, you know, the gospel as, as we've noted, has been preached many times, um, it's not just the cross. And, and if it stops at just the cross, at, at, at Jesus' sacrifice and his love for us, it's not complete. It's, it's woefully incomplete. It needs, the resurrection is, is essential. It's foundational. It's, it's um, and when I say uh, it's the core, we don't by saying that mean in any way that anything else is, is, is unimportant or can be cast aside. But it is from this, from this truth and the fact of the resurrection, everything, all of Christian life, all of doctrine, all of the whole Bible, all of prophecy, all of it comes from this fact, this physical fact of the resurrection. And that's ultimately what, what we preach, what we ought to preach. The, the, the foundation of our preaching of this message that you hear Sunday in and Sunday out that has been spoken by the followers of Jesus for 2,000 years it starts with a set of physical facts of actually what happened. It can never be moved from that to just a set of, um, of, of, of good moral teachings, of some um, um, nice, uh, nice thoughts about a good man who lived. Um, you know, there, there have been many that have gone down the path of, of, of being so wise in their own conceit and so educated about, about their approach to God's word that they've explained these things away. And, one can never get away, one ought never to get away from the, the, the straight physical facts that this is an account, this is an eyewitness account, this is a message spoken and preached by people that saw it actually happen, and we have great evidence for it. Um, I can't think of any other way that, that such a truth ought to be conveyed than by an eyewitness account, people that actually saw it happen and then sealed that account, that testimony with their lives. 
lived a life that was totally in line with it, that led all the way to the cross, to persecution, to death. And God in his wisdom, that's the way he planned it. That's how he planned the gospel, and that's how we now see it gloriously laid out before us. This fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is, is really the, the simple account that Peter lays out. After he explains that miraculous happening, that, that, that God did something amazing there at Pentecost, this, this pouring out of the Holy Spirit in a very visible way, these flames, tongues of fire upon the heads of, of all the believers, something supernatural, something miraculous, then that is the, 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 the stage that is set for this explaining of these physical facts of the resurrection, of that there was a man, Jesus Christ, that was killed, that was crucified, and that rose again from the dead. And based on this, we can have life, as he quotes in, in David here, that this beautiful prophetic passage in one of David's psalms. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Apostle Peter starts with what the Jews know and, and have heard. It's undeniable the things that Jesus did among them. And that is, again, there's plenty of physical evidence of Jesus' specialness, his uniqueness, his his appointment, his, his, his anointing from God in, in the wonders and signs and miracles he did. And, and that's where Peter starts with, with that amazing, the amazing things that he did. But it doesn't end there. He, he just, he uses that as a, as a touch point, as a connection point. You, as you yourselves also know. And then he moves to their sin to show them clearly what they have done. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. And I think any of us that want to understand the importance of the resurrection and understand how we ought to respond to it, first need to open our eyes to our own sin, what we have done. What has caused us, why we are in death, why we even need a resurrection, why we need new life. The truth is that each one of us has put Christ on the cross. Each one of us, the, the sins of each one of us necessitated that he go to that extent to give his life for us in, a, in such a, a cruel way. And if you cannot see that in your own life, you cannot see that it is your sins that have nailed Christ to the cross. The message of the resurrection, the message of the gospel, the, of, the, of the hope that it really has nothing for you. There's nothing that can be said to you that would, would give you new life because you don't, don't see the need for it. You don't see the need for, uh, that. you don't see the fact that you yourself are dead. You are um, lost without him. And so I think the message of the gospel needs to first convict us of our own sin. My friend outside of Christ, do you realize that you have participated and caused, you've precipitated the death of Jesus Christ through your sin? These men and, and women that, that heard this message, this first sermon, they were convicted. And they were convicted because of the physical actions that they had done when they realized that this man truly, Jesus, he was perfect. There was nothing wrong with him. There's nothing wrong that he had done. 
and yet they had taken him, and um, as we read in, in those accounts on, on Good Friday, and they slew him. But we also participated in that. We also were part of that. Uh, we are also were callous and indifferent to this man, Jesus, and, and his message of love. I was indifferent to it for many years. I, I loved church, and I loved um, all the things that went on and, and the, the sense of rightness and, you know, it's good to come to church and when I come to church and hear God's word and I'm convicted, that's good. But, but really, until I could grasp the simple truth of the resurrection, this gospel message, and that that is God's sign to me, that is his work to me, and that is it, it's sufficient, I was really ignoring that message of the cross. All those years that I attended, all those years that I sat here and, and, and felt the conviction, oh yeah, that, that this speaks to me and it, it shows me who I am. All those years of, of trying to be a good boy, those were years of rejecting the message of the cross and the resurrection, of, of, of rejecting my part in it and God's answer. We, this process of seeking, of seeking your soul's salvation, it is, um, it's good. It's good to grapple with these things, to try to, to, to expose yourself to the word of God and to let his, his, his word work in you. But it, all, it, it, it only needs to be as long as to get you to that point of total submission and acknowledgement that you have nothing else to hang on than this simple physical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. That's all that you have and all that you can cling to. And, um, and for me, that was all those years of, of seeking and trying, trying to do better. And yeah, I, I'm counseling and I'm, I'm, um, I'm cognizant of my soul's need and, and I'm, I'm talking about my different struggles and problems. It was not until the point of I, this is what I need to believe and totally cling to and not claim or, 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 or look to anything else. Until that point, the gospel really didn't have an effect on me. It really didn't transform me. It didn't give me new life. This resurrection of, of Jesus Christ was not experienced in me. And my, my friend outside of Christ, um, I pray you would realize that this, this afternoon hour, this, this morning, all the days that you hear God's word, when you are pricked in your heart of your sin, of your condition, that you would just realize it is simple. Repent and believe the gospel. And that is why it could happen so quickly for these, these 3,000 souls here that were baptized in one day. They could see that, they could believe it, and then they could be identified with it. And my friend outside of Christ, it can be that way for you too. The power, this resurrection power of Jesus Christ, that in an in, in a, in a instant that dead body, the physically dead body that was definitely dead of Jesus Christ was resurrected and raised to new life, that can happen for you too. And by preaching that, I do not in any way preach in a gospel of easy believism and, and uh, this kind of um, emotional experience that will do it. No, it is the simple fact of belief and then understanding that this is God has credited to me for righteousness and now I can walk in this and that frees me. And now 
things that were a problem before, the, the where I was bound before, the sin that bound me before, I can leave that behind. I can take those steps. I can cut those things off because of Jesus Christ and because of what he's done. That is the power of the cross. That's the power of the, the empty tomb. And it's very simple. It was a simple sermon. It was explained simply to 3,000 people, and 3,000 people responded. They understood clearly what it was, and they were transformed and changed. This power of, of the empty tomb, this power of, of a resurrected new life, you and I know that we need that power, don't we? When we see the, the futility of our own efforts, of our own flesh, of, of, a, of a life that is going in one direction only, a life in the flesh that is only going towards the tomb, that is dead in trespasses and sins, you and I know that the, that the only thing, those of us that believe the gospel, know that the only thing that can change that and turn it and around is believing in this man, Jesus Christ, believing and trusting in him. It was a very simple message. When those people that heard it were pricked in their hearts, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent, and when we say repent, yes, there is sorrow for sin. Yes, there is uh, um, an awareness of, of, of a sorrow for what we have done, but it's a change, a change of all my thinking, my, my way, my pattern of thought. I, I want to leave that behind. I want to turn to you, God. I want to desire only you. Repent and be baptized. Identify.